ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so carrying on then with Kitab al-Tawheed, today now we've come to the hadith where Al-Imam al-Bukhari mentions, قَالَ حَدَّثَنِي مُعَاذِ بْنُ فَضَالَةَ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا هِشَامٌ عَنْ قَتَادَةَ عَنْ أَنَسٍ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَ يَجْمَعُ اللَّهِ المؤمنين يوم القيامة كذلك فيقولون لو استشفعنا إلى ربنا حتى يريحنا من مكاننا هذا فيأتون آدم فيقولون يا آدم أما ترى الناس خلقك الله بيده وأسجد لك ملائكته وعلمك أسماء كل شيء شفع لنا إلى ربنا حتى يريحنا من مكاننا هذا فيقول لست هناك ويذكر لهم خطيئته التي أصاب ولكن ائتوا نوحا فإنه أول رسول بعثه الله إلى أهل الأرض فيأتون نوحا فيقول لست هناك ويذكر خطيئته التي أصاب ولكن ائتوا إبراهيم خليل الرحمن فيأتون إبراهيم فيقول لست هناك أو لست هناكم ويذكر لهم خطاياه التي أصابها ولكن ائتوا موسى عبدا أتاه الله التوراة وكلمه تكليما فيأتون موسى فيقول لست هناكم ويذكر لهم خطيئته التي أصاب ولكن ائتوا عيسى عبد الله ورسوله وكلمته وروحه فيأتون عيسى فيقول لست هناكم ولكن ائتوا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم عبدا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه وما تأخر فيأتوني فأنطلق فأستأذن على ربي فيؤذن لي عليه فإذا رأيت ربي وقعت له ساجدا فيدعني ما شاء الله أن يدعني ثم, ثم يقال لي ارفع محمد وقل يسمع وسل تعطه واشفع تشفع فأحمد ربي بمحامد علمنيها ثم أشفع فيحد لي حدا فأدخلهم الجنة ثم أرجع فإذا رأيت ربي وقعت ساجدا فيدعني ما شاء الله أن يدعني ثم يقال ارفع محمد وقل يسمع وسل تعطه واشفع تشفع فأحمد ربي بمحامد علمنيها ربي ثم أشفع فيحد لي حدا فأدخل فأدخلهم الجنة ثم أرجع فإذا رأيت ربي وقعت ساجدا فيدعني ما شاء الله أن يدعني ثم يقال ارفع محمد قل يسمع وسل تعطه 
واشفع تشفع فأحمد ربي بمحامد علمنيها ثم أشفع فيحد لي حدا فأدخلهم الجنة ثم أرجع فأقول يا ربي ما بقي في النار إلا من حبسه القرآن ووجب عليه الخلود قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يخرج من النار من قال لا إله إلا الله وكان في قلبه من الخير ما يزن شعيره ثم يخرج من النار من قال لا إله إلا الله وكان في قلبه من الخير ما يزن بره ثم يخرج من النار من قال لا إله إلا الله وكان في قلبه ما يزن من الخير ذرة This narration then Hadith of Anas where he mentions that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Allah will gather all of the believers on the day of judgment as such and he will say or rather they will say when all of them are gathered resurrected on that day on the day of judgment they will all say لو استشفعنا إلى ربنا حتى يريحنا من مكاننا هذا they say if only we could find someone if somebody could intercede for us if somebody could intercede for us with our Lord so that we may be removed from this place uh, and taken out of this difficulty into comfort so they come to Adam and they say to him oh Adam do you not see the people do you not see the people? Meaning, do you not see what calamity we're in? And then they say to him, Allah created you with his hand. And he told the angels to prostrate to you. And he taught you the names of everything. Intercede for us. Speak on our behalf to Allah to give us ease and remove us from this place. But then Adam replies and tells them, Lastu hunak, meaning I am not of that station, I am not the one who can intercede on your behalves. And he mentions the sin that he uh, fell into. And then he tells them, go instead to Nuh. Go instead to Nuh He can possibly intercede etc. That is the reasoning behind it. Go to Nuh. So when they come to Nuh, and then it mentions in the uh, narrations, in the versions of it, here it says that because he is the first of the messengers that Allah sent to the people of the earth. In the other versions it mentions that they say to him, that Nuh, you are the first of the messengers that Allah sent down to the earth. So intercede for us. But then he will say to them, Last that I am not the one for that. I cannot intercede. And he mentions his errors that he fell into and tells them, go to Ibrahim salam. So then they go to Ibrahim and again, he excuses himself also from interceding and mentions the shortcomings that he fell into. And then he tells them, go, go to Musa salam. So again, the same occurs when they go to Musa salam, and they say, you are the one whom Allah spoke to and he was the one who the Torah was given to. Yet Musa salam similarly excuses himself and, uh, and mentions his error and then tells them to go to Isa alayhi salam. 
the servant of Allah and the messenger of Allah and the speech of Allah or rather the kalimatuhu meaning the from the word that he was created from waruhahu and that spirit the soul that was blown into him so they come to Isa alayhi salam and again he excuses himself too and <coughs> tells them to go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam a servant whose sins past and future have been forgiven so when they come to him he Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that I go and I seek permission from my Lord and permission is given to me so then he says when I see my Lord I fall in prostration and Allah leaves me be as he wishes for the time period to leave me be and then it is said raise up O Muhammad in one narration raise your head O Muhammad say and you will be heard ask and you will be given seek intercession and that will be bestowed the intercession will be done so then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that I praise my Lord with types of praise that Allah teaches me and scholars have said within that is the names of Allah more names of Allah that we are not aware of yet then I seek the intercession and an amount or a boundary is set for me and those are then taken into paradise I take them into paradise then I return and when I see my Lord I fall in prostration then Allah leaves me to be for the time he does and then it is said raise your head say and you will be heard ask and you'll be given seek intercession and it will occur so then again he says وسلم, I praise my Lord with the praises that my Lord taught me and then I seek the intercession and again a certain amount are then entered into paradise then again he returns and he falls into prostration and he is left to be as long as Allah leaves him to be and then he is told raise up O Muhammad say and you will be heard ask and you will be given seek the intercession and you will be bestowed and again he says وسلم, that I praise my Lord with the praises he taught me and I seek the intercession and another section are entered into paradise then when I return I say my Lord nobody remains in the fire now except for the ones who were seized by the Quran and upon them is to remain therein forever so then the Prophet says after that uh, mentions after that also that all of those are exited taken out from the fire those who say la ilaha illallah and they had in their heart the weight of a sha'ira sha'ira bali wheat corn wheat grain the amount of a wheat grain that example being given of something small and then after that all of them are taken out from the fire who say la ilaha illallah and they have the amount of the burra. The burra they say it has barley, corn, the, the small types again. And then after that, everybody is exited from the fire. The ones who have even the amount of a dharra, the dharra. The scholars they explain this as a an example of the smallest thing to indicate that even the ones with the tiniest amount of Iman they are taken out sometimes in the modern translations you see it being translated as an atom of course that is not accurate to the wording but that is the meaning the meaning referring to the smallest thing so the point there is the people even with the tiniest of Iman as long as they had Iman they are removed from the fire in the end this is a lengthy hadith that talks about some of those events on the day of judgment and that intercession that occurs and how the people they go to the different prophets and messengers but all of those prophets and messengers excuse themselves until eventually they come to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam who makes 
that intercession on that day. So going through the narration section by section, at the beginning it says, يَجْمَعُ اللَّهُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ الْجَمْعُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَكُونُ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَغَيْرِهِمْ وَالْمَشَقَّةَ تَكُونُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَغَيْرِهِمْ Of course on the day of judgment, all of mankind will be resurrected and gathered together. Believers and non-believers, everybody is resurrected onto the lands of resurrection. Where does that resurrection occur? Is it upon this earth or is it somewhere else? On this earth? Where is the land of resurrection where they are all the plains of resurrection? On that day, is it this earth? That everything occurs upon or somewhere else? Anybody know any ayah that may help us here? Was there any homework two weeks ago, three weeks ago? <coughs> There's your homework for this week. The resurrection when it occurs, is it upon this earth or is there something else? There is an ayah in the Qur'an that talks about this. For now though, the resurrection occurs. Everybody is gathered up on that day. The believers are resurrected with nobility. The disbelievers are resurrected with a lack of nobility. Degraded, upside down, walking on their heads, deaf, dumb and blind. As the ayat again mentioned and the ahadith mentioned. So that resurrection occurs and everybody is gathered. And then when they find themselves in that difficulty after the resurrection, they find themselves in that calamity, they all look at each other and they say, we need to find someone to speak to Allah on our behalf to get us out of this, to remove us from this scenario and this situation and all of this to get us out of here. So they go initially to Adam السلام, and they say to him, can you not see what the people are in? Meaning, can you not see or do you not see the fear and the fright and the, the calamity and the worry and concern and fear that all of the people are upon? Can you not see this extreme difficulty that they are upon, that they are not able to handle? All of this difficulty, they are not able to handle this worry and fear and fright. That's what they go and mention to him. Can you not see what all of the people are upon with all of this fear and fright and difficulty? And then they say to him, as a means of explaining why they want him to intercede for them with Allah. They say, you, Allah created you with his own hands. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you with his own hands. And he told his angels to prostrate to you. This is the point of the whole narration that we want to discuss. The fact that it mentions Allah creating Adam alayhi salam with his Hands, and that was the discussion in the previous narration, talking about the attribute of Allah, of His hands. <coughs> so here it affirms again that Allah created Adam السلام, with His own hands. Whereas we mentioned the rest of the creation was not directly created by Allah's own hands. That was a virtue for Adam السلام, a virtue for Adam السلام, that Allah created him with his own two hands. Here, as Shaykh al mentions a side point, and the side point being, I think we briefly touched upon it already, how can it be, how can it be that Allah commanded the angels to prostrate to someone other than himself? Prostrating to others besides Allah, of course, we now know here in this sharia is shirk. How can it be that Allah 
told the angels to prostrate to other than himself. <coughs> How can that be? We mentioned the prostrations are not all prostrations of worship. There are prostrations that used to occur in the times gone by that were prostrations of courtesy, prostrations of respect, uh, prostrations of honoring someone, but not ibadah, worship. That type of prostration existed in the time of Yusuf salam, but in our time in this Sharia, all types of prostration to others besides Allah were forbidden. And you cannot say this is only courtesy, a bowing of courtesy, like when they do the martial arts and they do the bowing at the beginning. They say that is only mutual respect for their competitors. Courtesy, there's no worship involved. Regardless, it is haram. Because in this Sharia now, it is impermissible to bow, to prostrate to others besides Allah, regardless of whether you claim it is only the courtesy and the respect and the culture and the tradition. It is not worship or ibadah. It may be, but regardless, it is haram now. Previously though, in the time of Yusuf salam, the, the prostration that was not of ibadah, the other types were allowable. So here the prostration of the angels was clearly not a prostration of worship. It was not a prostration of worship to Adam. It was not a prostration of worship to Adam, but it was worship to Allah because he is the one who commanded them to do it. They were obeying the command of Allah. It is therefore obedience to Allah, worship to Allah to do it. Not though worship to Adam in doing it to him. That was not the case. That was only as an honor for Adam salam, not a worship to him. Then the Shaykh explains, It was permissible for the angels to prostrate to other than Allah. Because it was Allah who commanded them to do it for a start. And for them to prostrate to Adam was worship to Allah. They were worshipping Allah in doing so, being obedient to Allah in doing so. And that's why when Iblis refused to prostrate, he was therefore refusing that worship to Allah refusing to fulfill the command of Allah upon him and that's why it was kufr that he was arrogant and haughty and he was from the disbelievers فاستسلم هو والولد ولما أحضره للذبح وتله للجبين بشدة لألا تأخذه الرحمة وجعل جبينه مما يلي الأرض لألا يعجز عن تنفيذ ما أمره الله به أن يرى وجه ولده والسكين أمامه أو أن الولد أيضا يحصل له ما يحصل حين يرى السكين فوق وجهه لكن جاء الفرج من الله ورفع عنه هذا التكليف العظيم وقال له قد صدقت الرؤيا وكتب لك أجر من ذبح ولده الذي بلغ معه سعي امتثالا لأمر الله عز وجل فصار هذه القتل للابن قرب لله عز وجل والله تعالى له أن يفعل ما يشاء إذا كلفنا بأمر فإن امتثالنا لهذا الأمر عبادة مهما كان he gives another example here he says killing somebody killing someone without due right is of course a great sin from the major sins even more so if that was somebody from your own relatives. That's a great sin. However, 
for Ibrahim السلام, when he was commanded to slaughter his son, that would have been something that was worship. He was commanded to do it. So something that is normally a sin. Here Allah commanded him to do it. So that would have been a virtue for Ibrahim السلام, to fulfill that commandment. So he submitted to that, and his son submitted to that. And then it describes how it was done, and how uh, Ibrahim السلام, placed Ismail facing downwards with his forehead onto the ground rather than upwards, because facing upwards. If he was going to do that slaughtering, then perhaps Ismail himself, when seeing the knife coming, may naturally react to that and perhaps attempt to stop that. Himself, Ibrahim salam, seeing the face of his son in doing that may impact upon him and it may not occur as he desired. So they turned the face of Ismail to the ground. And then, of course, we know though he was removed from that responsibility and Allah saved uh, Ismail السلام, and that alternative was slaughtered. But the point being there, this action would have been praiseworthy because Allah had commanded him to do it. So in that case up there as well, Ibrahim, uh, with the angels, it was praiseworthy for them to prostrate to Adam and it was not worship to Adam, it was worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَعَلَّمَكَ أَسْمَأَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ Then they also say to Adam, as another justification why he should intercede for them, they say to him, Allah created you with his own hands, and he taught you the names of everything. He taught you the names of everything. معلوم أن كل شيء لو أخذت على ظاهرها لكان الله علمه كل شيء. حتى ما يكون إلى يوم القيامة ولكن المراد بذلك أسماء كل شيء يحتاج إلى معرفته في ذلك الوقت ولا غرابة أن تأتي لفظ كل شيء يراد بها شيء مخصوص So he was taught the names of everything meaning all of those things that he was in need of knowing the names of all of the, the creation and the affairs and everything that was there he was taught the names of all of those things and it doesn't mean that he was taught everything from the knowledge of the unseen or anything, but he was taught about all of the affairs of that time, the names of all of those things. But then, after they give these justifications to Adam, hoping that he will intercede on their behalf, he refuses. And he excuses himself, and he says, to Hunak, I am not there. Perhaps meaning that I am not at that status, I am not at that level. It is not for me to make this intercession, basically. That I am not the one to intercede. So he excuses himself. And he mentions that error that he fell into. شفع إليه وإذا لم يكن له قدر أو كان حصل منه مخالفة فإنه هو يحتاج إلى من يشفع له. In making intercession, especially when you want somebody to intercede with you with Allah, then that person must be a person of nobility. Here Adam عليه السلام was excusing himself from being that position of nobility because he had fallen into that shortcoming. That shortcoming regarding eating from the tree. He had fallen into that shortcoming and so did not view himself of that nobility to be a person speaking on behalf of others. So he excused himself. فَآدَمْ اِعْتَذَرَ وَذَكَرَ سَبَبَ الْاِعْتِذَارِ أَنَّهُ أَكَلَ مِنَ شَجَرَةِ اللَّتِ نَهَاهُ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْأَكَلِ مِنْهَا He mentioned his excuse, his reason for excusing himself. And it was that he ate from the tree that Allah had forbidden him to eat from. أَمَرَهُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ مِنْ كُلِّ مَا طَابَ فِي الْجَنَّةِ 
Allah told them he can eat from whatever he pleases in paradise except that tree. وَلَا تَقْرَبَا هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ Do not come anywhere near this tree. فَتَكُونَا مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Otherwise you will be from the wrongdoers. فَجَاءَهُمَ الشَّيْطَانُ وَوَسْوَسَ لَهُمَا But shaitan came to them and he whispered to them. وَدَلَّاهُمَا بِغُرُورِ And he directed them and guided them upon that deception. وَقَاصَمَهُمَا إِنِّي لَكُمَا لَمِنَ النَّاصِحِينَ and he convinced them that I am from the rightful, honest advisors to you that I'm telling you what is good and correct and right. وقال هل أدلك على شجرة على شجرة الخلد وملك لا يبلى؟ Shall I not guide you to a tree that has eternity within it and a dominion that does not uh, disappear or finish? والإنسان بشر ضعيف. فَانْقَادَ وَأَكَلَ مِنَ الشَّجَرَ فَبَدَتِ الْعَوْرَةِ الْعَوْرَةُ الْحِسِّيَّ وَالْعَوْرَةُ الْمَعْنَوِيَّ So then uh, Adam a.s. Uh, as it's mentioned in the uh, story there that he uh, from those whisperings of the shaitan ended up eating from that tree and then that was the error and the shortcoming that Adam a.s. was referring to uh, excusing himself from being the one of nobility to go and intercede with Allah. There is a lot of sections here that are around the story of Adam salam. They are not at the core of what we are discussing. But since we are discussing, we'll mention them as well then. Here the point we're discussing is what? What is the core of our topic? The affirmation of the attributes of Allah, in particular here the hands of Allah. This narration, this long narration was mentioned because it said at the beginning, they went to Adam and they justified asking him to intercede by saying, as one of the points, that Allah created you with his own hands. That was the purpose of the narration. Of course, as you saw, the narration was long and there was a lot of points mentioned in it. And these are digressions or side points as benefit on the narration. So one of these side points as a benefit on top of the narration before we come back to the point of the attributes is a narration that is mentioned in Kitab al-Tawheed. You'll find it there. And you are in the uh, Kitab al-Tawheed of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab. Now, this Kitab al-Tawheed, it's in this one too now. But it's a narration that mentions that when Hawa was pregnant, when she was pregnant, it mentions in the narration that the shaitan came to them and said, Name your son Abdul Harith. And the narration says that they refused to obey him. And when they refused to obey him and they did not name him that, he was still born. Or that he was born dead. Then when she became pregnant again after that, Shaitan came to them and said, Obey me, you will obey me. Otherwise, I will make two horns that will come through your womb, through your belly, and split it open from that pregnancy in the womb, from that baby in the womb, either you will obey me this time, or this time I will make two horns exit and, and, and come through the womb and your stomach and split it. فَأَدْرَكَهُمَا حُبَّ الْوَلَدِ So then, when the first one had already been stillborn, when they refused to listen to what shaitan was telling them, this time it mentions in the narration that the desire to have a baby overcame them and they feared that he may be born dead again. So they listened to the shaitan on this occasion and they named him Abdul Harith. And this narration is a lie. 
this narration is not authentic. And the scholars have mentioned it is not authentic. This story of Iblis coming to them when she was pregnant and telling them, name him this, do this, do that. They didn't do it, he was still born. And then the next time she's pregnant, he comes again. He says, this time I'll make horns come out of him through your stomach and split it open. And all of these things that were mentioned in the narration, that narration is not authentic. The Sheikh highlights as a point here. In some of the versions of this narration, it even says that he says to them, I am the one who took you out of paradise. He tells them, it's me. I am the one who took you out of paradise. And so this is all strange and these narrations are not authentic. <coughs> the issue of paradise itself, now that we're digressing, may as well digress all the way. The issue of paradise itself, when they were removed from paradise, when Adam salam was removed from paradise and placed on this earth, which paradise were they removed from? The paradise, the paradise, the one that the believers will go to after the accountability, or some other paradise? Anybody? You would say it's another paradise. Why would you say that? Okay. There is a narration that says, in paradise there is ma la aina ra'at wa la uduna sami'at wa la khatara ala bali bashar. That there is in the paradise what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and has not occurred to the imagination of anybody. So maybe based upon that you could say, Adam couldn't have been in that paradise because then somebody has seen and heard and, and, and experienced. Maybe. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. The ones who enter paradise remain therein forever. Adam was not therein forever. Maybe another evidence that it was not the paradise that were, they were in. It is a discussion amongst the scholars. There is a discussion amongst the scholars regarding this topic. Were Adam and Hawa in the paradise that we talk about, or were they in some other paradise? There is a discussion between the scholars on the topic, and some scholars say one thing, and some scholars say the other, that it was the paradise, or it was not the paradise. One of the books you can look into for a discussion on this in some level of detail is the book of Ibn al-Qayyim, Hadi al-Arwah. Hadi al-Arwah, the beginning, he talks about this topic in some detail and what the scholars mentioned and the evidences they gave and the reasonings they gave as to whether Adam السلام, was in the paradise or were they in some other paradise and then they were brought to this earth. Then after that here, when Adam السلام, he excuses himself, he tells them to go to Nuh and he tells them Nuh was the first messenger. He was the first Rasul, the first messenger. So go to him. So Nuh it's like he was the second father of mankind. He was the second father of mankind, Adam السلام, to Nuh السلام, How many generations were there? Ten generations. From Adam السلام, his son's generation, their son's generation, their sons, Adam السلام, sons, Adam السلام's grandsons, great-grandsons, great-great-grandsons, until you get to ten generations. In the tenth generation, that's when Nuh was sent. We know there were ten generations because it's mentioned in the narration of Ibn Abbas. Anhuma, Kana Adam wa Nuh alayhim as -salam, 
between Adam and Nuh alayhi salam were ten generations. A generation in Arabic, Qarn, by default, unless there's any other explanation to it, by default it refers to a hundred years. That's what they mean by a generation of a people. A hundred years. Therefore, between Adam salam and Nuh salam was approximately a thousand years difference from when Adam salam was and when Nuh salam came. So he sends them to Nuh salam. The first messenger sent upon this earth, Allah said in the Quran, إِنَّا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ كَمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى نُوحٍ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ That indeed we reveal to you, O Muhammad, just as we reveal to Nuh and the prophets after him. So the first one being mentioned is Nuh, the first messenger. If there were any other messengers before Nuh, then the ayah would have mentioned that one first. That we reveal to such and such and then all the others who came after him. But here Nuh is being mentioned as that first one and then all the others who came after him. وَبِهَذَا نَعْرِفْ كَذِبْ مَنْ قَالَ مِنَ الْمُؤَرِّخِينَ There are some people, some historians who say that there were two other messengers before Nuh. One in particular, the two that they mention are Idris and Sheath. Idris and Sheath. What do they call them in English? Enoch for Idris and Sheath. I remember it, but it's gone. Idris and Sheath. Seth, possibly, huh? So these two, some of them, the historians, etc., say, were messengers, Idris and Sheath, before Nuh. Many of them mention one of those two, which is Idris. That's common. You hear that a lot, that Idris was the messenger before Nuh. However, Sheath isn't mentioned in the Qur'an, is only mentioned in the Sunnah. Idris is mentioned in the Quran and they say some of them that Idris came before Nuh. However, that is incorrect and the Shaykh says in reality it's a lie altogether. It's completely incorrect because there were no messengers before Nuh. And what is apparent is that Idris was from the Anbiya, from the prophets of Banu Israel because he is mentioned in that context. Then the question comes up, why were there no messengers sent before Nuh alayhi salam? Everybody should know that. Because those first ten generations were upon Tawheed. Shirk only began and spread after the time or around the time of Nuh alayhi salam. الجواب على ذلك ما ذكره الله تعالى كان الناس أمة واحدة. The Ummah was one, they were united. Upon the truth, فبعث الله النبيين مبشرين ومنذرين وأنزل معهم الكتاب بالحق ليحكم بين الناس فيما اختلفوا فيه. Then Allah sent the prophets as bringers of glad tidings and warners and sent with them the book with the truth and guidance so that they may rule between the people in that which they differ on. فكان الناس على الحق. So the people were upon the truth initially. لكن لما كثروا وانتشروا but when they uh, multiplied and became many in number and they spread out upon the earth, they began to differ. And that's when they then required the messengers to come and to judge between them upon the truth. And that initially began at the time of Nuh alayhi salam. So then they come to Nuh alayhi salam, but he similarly excuses himself. He similarly excuses himself. And what is the reason why he excuses himself? What is the shortcoming that he mentions in order to excuse himself from being in that position of nobility, uh, in order to excuse himself from making the intercession uh, 
what is the shortcoming or what is the reasoning that Nuh gives to excuse himself. That is what you will discover from the next lesson, insha'Allah ta'ala. So from next week, we'll begin from that point of discovering regarding Nuh alayhi salam and the reasoning that he gave and then after that the other prophets and messengers. Question says, how many prophets and messengers were there? Question mark. In total afterwards. How many prophets and messengers were there in total? So, sure we've mentioned this before. How many prophets and messengers were there in total? 1400 what? Messengers and prophets or just messengers? Well, now you've opened up another problem for us. So we're going to have to mention that too then. In that case first, what is the difference between prophets and messengers? Because there is a difference. So what is the difference? between prophets and messengers mm -hmm. anybody mm -hmm. anybody else <coughs> nobody want to say that the prophets were given revelation but not commanded to preach it and the messengers were given revelation and commanded to preach it that is the common definition you'll find in the books However, the scholars have said that definition is not accurate. The accurate definition revolves around certain other points. One of them being that both prophets and messengers were given revelation, but prophets were not given new revelation. Prophets were given the same revelation as the previous messenger. Throughout history, messengers came. And they came in spaces of time one messenger then after a while another one then after a while another one in between the messengers lots of prophets used to come those prophets got revelation but they would get the same revelation as the previous messenger to revive and to bring back the people to that same tawheed and same explanation and same sharia then when the next messenger came he would be given a new revelation then the prophets who come after him, they get the same revelation as the previous messenger. That's one thing. Messengers were given new revelations, new sharia every time they came. Whereas prophets were given the same revelation as the previous one to establish it and re, uh, uh, to reinvent that amongst the people, to uh, uh, revive that amongst the people. The second thing they also mention is the types of people they were sent to. Messengers were sent to people of opposition, generally. Ibrahim salam at the time when he was sent, all of the people were upon shirk against him. Musa salam, Pharaoh and all of his people, the majority against him. Nuh salam, everybody laughing at him while you make him the ark. The messengers were sent to people who were in opposition to them, greatly. Whereas the prophets, although yes, they had opposition too, of course, but it was to a lesser degree. So the type of people they were sent to has a difference between prophets and messengers. Those are the types of differences generally the scholars revolve around. So now we know prophets and messengers are different. How many messengers were there and how many prophets were there? Three hundred and thirteen messengers. There is, uh, or there are some narrations that say there were three hundred and ten odd messengers. There are some that say three hundred and thirteen. So what we can say generally is that there were three hundred and ten odd. Three twelve, three thirteen, three fourteen, three hundred and ten odd. That is mentioned in the narration for messengers. 310 odd messengers. Prophets, 
124,000. 124,000 are mentioned of the prophets. That's altogether a figure of 124,000 odd, altogether. Do we know the names of all of them? We don't. We don't know the names of all of the prophets and all of the messengers. How many of them are mentioned in the Quran though? I can just sense another homework. How many of them were mentioned in the Quran? 25? 25. 25 are mentioned in the Quran. 18 of them are mentioned in one place together. And that is in Surah. Al-An'am, and the rest of them are mentioned in different places of the Qur'an. If they're not mentioned in one place together, that's 18. The rest of them are mentioned in different places of the Qur'an. That wasn't a trick question. So that is the prophets and messengers. That's the numbers of them. 310 odd messengers, 124,000 prophets. This question... Uh, how do we reply when people say you Salafis take the literal meaning? Was it the last lecture we did a lot of talking about this topic? So whoever asked this question, I'm going to say this. The last lecture which is available on the, on the website everywhere, you can ask for the link. It's 50 minutes long, an hour long, the last lecture we did a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago it was. We answered basically in the full lecture this question. So listen to that last lecture, whoever asked this question first. Last lecture, what number are we on right now? 44 today? So listen to lecture number 43 in the series. If by next week after you've listened to that lecture, you don't understand, then repeat this question. But the likelihood is, if you listen to number 43 from last time, that lecture, basically the whole of it was an answer to this question. So that is what you have to do. You have to listen to last week's lecture. If you still think this question needs to be asked, you don't understand from last week's lecture, then you can ask it next week, inshallah. And that is what the scholars used to do occasionally. They say, if you're going to ask a question, shows you've got some enthusiasm to learn the religion, then you shouldn't be spoon-fed. You should go out and search. So this is a good way, particularly when that question was the topic of discussion last time. All right, we'll conclude on that for tonight then. Inshallah ta'ala, carry on next week at the same time. Isha is still the same time yet? So after Isha next week, 8.15, we'll carry on. Where are we on?